I'll be reading 1 Thessalonians 4, 1. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. As Jay pointed out in our Bible class hour in here, we've been throwing this word refine around for a couple of weeks now, and you may be still sitting there going, okay, where did that come from? Why are you referring to this Sunday as refine Sunday? And, and Jay talked about the fact that a couple of years ago, we had made this plan to have four big Sundays a year that all had a special title to them and all had a special purpose. And this is the fourth of those four Sundays for the year 2021. We have yet to have a full year of all four due to something called a pandemic. And hopefully next year we will be able to have all four. This is the four Sundays that we are talking about. The first one every year is called Charge Weekend. That happens early in January. We used to refer to that as All Members Weekend. But now we call it Charge Weekend, and the whole objective of Charge Weekend is to challenge and rejuvenate ourselves as a body of Christ so that we will live out God's mission for the entire year. Charge Weekend will take place, I believe it's the 9th, 10th, and 11th of January, so we're just a month away from it. And we've got Dr. Bruce McClarty coming. He'll be, speaking as, he'll be our guest speaker for that weekend. So go ahead and make plans to be here for us, with us for that weekend, Charge Weekend. In April, we did something this year for the first time called Focus Sunday. And the objective of Focus Sunday is to have a special emphasis study, a focused study on a particular subject matter. For 2020, I mean 2021, as Jay mentioned, we did a, a, a focus on your mind. And this coming April... We'll have focus on your finances with Brother Keith Carsargent from the Prattville Church of Christ and Bear Valley Bible Institute as well. So make plans for that. Then, of course, in the, the August-September time frame, we have what we call Harvest Weekend. This kind of took the place of our former gospel meeting. And now Harvest Weekend is our effort to have lessons specifically geared for evangelistic purposes to share the good news with those who have not heard it yet. And so Harvest Weekend will be in, in August this year, and then today marks the fourth of those big Sundays, Refine Sunday. And the purpose of Refine Sunday is for us to look at the previous year, to look at, at how we did, to kind of do a little bit of introspection and examination, consider whether or not we're meeting the expectations of our Lord, and then the second piece of that is to cast our vision for the coming year, for the work that we want to accomplish in the kingdom of God, to present our new theme for the coming year. And that's what our objective will be during this time today, to consider our theme for 2022. Now, why do we have a theme? And I mention this every year when I do a lesson on the theme. We have it because it serves like a compass. A, a, a compass is this instrument that gives you guidance. It tells you which direction you're headed, and if you get off course, it will show you how to recalibrate, how to get back on course. We set a theme every year not because uh, the Bible is insufficient for us, 
but because we want to be help, we want to be able to hold ourselves accountable to something. We want to be able to look and see whether or not we're accomplishing the will of the Lord. And so our themes are geared towards our study for the year. They're geared towards our plan of work for the year. They're designed to help us see where we need to go and what we need to accomplish in the coming year. And so every year we introduce a theme, and in 2021 that theme was Go and Do. It was a, a wonderful challenge to us as a congregation to do more than be inward-focused, but to be outward-focused as well. And the truth is, when we introduced Go and Do last year, we didn't intend for it to just be a theme. We intended it for it to be a new ministry. And so you will see Go and Do continue on. The banner will remain, and the events will continue. In fact, you, there may still be some, in the, some uh, little red handouts in the pew in front of you. I believe there are some out on the table as well. And that introduces our Go and Do campaign for 2022. Much of it remains the same from 2021, but those ministries, those activities, those opportunities for community outreach are going to continue. It's more than a theme. It's more than a theme. And that is how I want to transition into our theme for 2022. For 2022, we have decided that the theme we want to emphasize is simply the word more. We read just a moment ago from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1. We're going to read from it again here in just a minute, so you may want to turn back to that passage. But as we reflected on what we did in 2021, we realized it would be easy to become complacent. We have this tendency as people to celebrate our reputation, to celebrate our history. It's very easy for us to decide that what we've done in the past is sufficient for the present, and we don't want that to be the case. We want to do more. And I want to explain this morning why we've selected this as our theme in further detail. And one reason we've selected this as our theme is because more is a biblical expectation. Look back at that 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1 passage. I'm going to be reading from the New American Standard Version that was published in 1995, uh, just because we uh, liked the wording of this version. Paul wrote these words. He said, Finally then, brethren, we request... And exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, that you excel still more. Now, do you understand what Paul is saying here? He's writing to the Christians in Thessalonica, and he acknowledges that they are currently walking in a way that pleases God. So he's affirming. He's affirming their current, present behavior, but instead of telling them to just keep doing what you're doing, which is what you and I would probably say to them, he says, excel still more. In other words, Paul is saying, hey guys, you're doing well. You're walking the way you ought to be walking. You're doing what you ought to be doing. You're living the way that God intended for you to live. But I want to challenge you to do 
more. In Paul's eyes, the church in Thessalonica is doing a great job. He has no complaints. He has no warnings. He has no criticisms. But that doesn't mean they couldn't excel still more. In other words, he's telling them to continue with with renewed fervor. And that's why we picked this theme. We believe as a congregation, we're doing well. The, The elders, the ministers, the entire leadership here is incredibly happy with what has been accomplished in the past year, particularly with Go and Do. But also, in general, we, we, we love this congregation, and we love your desire to serve the Lord, and we love your desire to worship, and we love your desire to study. But just because things are going well doesn't mean there's not room for more. And as Paul writes to this one congregation, he presents it as an expectation of his on them that even though they're walking the way they should walk they can excel still more and so can you and i i'm going to ask you to um, indulge me for just a moment i'm going to ask you that if you can would you please stand up for just a minute this is going to be an audience participation moment i don't do this very often because i don't want to be labeled a liberal or anything but i need your participation for just a moment I'd like you to raise your hand as high as you can. All right, good job. See, I can make you do anything. You'll do anything, I say. I love this. Raise your hand as high as you can. It's wonderful. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. Raise your hand a little bit more. Do you know what I just witnessed? I asked you to raise your hand as high as you can, and then I asked you to do it more, and you did. How did you find room for more? You can put them down. And you can, sit down. you can sit down. How did you find room for more? Some of you stood up on your tiptoes. Some of you adjusted your shoulder and your hip to get that extra leverage. You found a way to do more, even though you were claiming to me that you were raising your hand as high as you could. You see, there is room for more. And that's what Paul's talking about here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1. And that's what we're challenging ourselves with in 2022, to find that little extra oomph. Oomph, that's a biblical term, right? To find that little bit of movement that you can make in the direction of our Lord. More is a biblical expectation. And it's one we're going to emphasize in this coming year. Because we can all excel still more. But I also want you to realize that more is an indicator of affection. That's another reason we want to emphasize this term this year. More is an indicator of affection. Do you remember the story about Jacob and his wives? Way back in Genesis chapter 29, Jacob, the the son of Isaac, the grandson of Abraham, after he has a falling out with his family because of his own deceptive behavior in regards to his brother, he has to flee to his mother's family of origin. And when he gets there, he meets this young woman named Rachel, and he instantly falls in love with Rachel. 
he is smitten with her. So he goes and meets Rachel's father, whose name is Laban, and he agrees. He agrees to a deal with Laban. He would work for Laban for seven years to acquire Laban's daughter, Rachel, to acquire her hand in marriage. It's a deal that they both agree to. And we're told in Genesis chapter 29 and verse 20 that those seven years seemed like days to Jacob because he was so in love with Rachel. Now, on his wedding night, Jacob discovered that he was on the receiving end of some deception. Because instead of giving Rachel to Jacob, Laban gave Jacob Rachel's older sister, whose name is Leah. He then informed Jacob that it was their custom that the eldest daughter must be married first. But Laban offered to let Jacob marry Rachel too, if he would just work for him for another seven years. Jacob agreed to those terms because he loved Rachel that much, and as a result, Jacob unintentionally obtained two wives. Now look at verse 30 of Genesis chapter 29. We're told in Genesis chapter 29 and verse 30 that Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. And you know what? The rest of his life is going to reflect this. The rest of his life is going to demonstrate who his affection was for more. Rachel's going to receive all the favoritism. Rachel's children are going to receive all the favoritism. And it's all based on the fact that Jacob loved her more. What you love more is going to manifest itself in your life in some way, shape, or form. Your affection is tied to whatever your more is. And I think that's why Jesus made this statement in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? He's saying that you're not worthy of him if there's anything that you love more than him. It's not just that he's saying, you can't be my disciple. He's saying you're not worthy if you don't love me the most. Your more will demonstrate itself. Your more will be evident and Jesus is saying you can't be in a relationship with him and love something more. And Jesus could say that because Jesus loved you and I more than his own life. There wasn't anything he loved more than us. And he proved that at Calvary. And so our willingness to pursue more is a direct reflection of our affection for him. Remember, after Jesus' resurrection, he meets up with Peter on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Peter, the guy who denied him three times, the guy who had said that out of his love for Jesus, he would never deny him, he would even die for him. And on the banks of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus has one question for Peter. 
Do you love me more than these? If Jesus posed that question to you right now, how could you answer? Not how would you answer. I know you know the right words to say. But sincerely, how could you answer that question? Knowing that he knows your heart. Do you love him more than anything else? Because you're more is an indicator of your affection. And another thing about more. More is a measure of maturation. You see, more is a term of scale. What I mean is that more connotes escalation, expansion, addition. It implies maturation and growth. For example, if you're able to lift more weights or run more miles, or do more sit-ups today than you were able to do this time last year, then you've grown, you've advanced, you've improved, you've matured. Similarly, if you're able to quote more Bible verses, if you're able to resist more temptation, if you're participating in more service opportunities, if you've shared your faith with more people this year than you did at this time last year, then maybe you've grown, you've advanced, you've improved, you've matured. More is a measuring device. More can provide a means of measuring our spiritual growth. But I want you to understand something in this vein. When it comes to such measurements, we need to understand that more can be both quantitative and qualitative. In other words, more can refer to what you do, but it can also refer to who you are. What I mean is that you can do more, but you can also be more. I don't want to leave you with the impression that all we're talking about with this more theme is activity. More applies to so much more than just what you do. And the Bible does mention both. If you turn over to Mark chapter 12 and you look at verse 41 through 44, you'll see mention of a quantitative example of more. It's there in Mark chapter 12 between verse 41 and 44 that Jesus sat down opposite the temple treasury and watched people putting money into the offering box. And he observed something significant. He saw many rich people put in large sum of money, but he also saw a poor widow put in two small coins that weren't worth much. He then summoned his disciples over and he said this, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. Why? Because they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. In this context, what the widow did was identified as more. So more here, it refers to an activity, to something you do. But now let's skip over to Acts chapter 17. 
I want you to notice something that happens in chapter 17 in relation to more. Because here we have a qualitative example of more. In Acts chapter 17, Paul was in the midst of his second missionary journey. The chapter begins with him preaching in Thessalonica, this very town to whom this letter was written that we have adopted this theme. But in Thessalonica, he faced opposition from the Jews and was forced to move on to the next town, which we know to be Berea. When he arrived in Berea, he discovered that the citizens of that town, as Acts chapter 17 and verse 11 says, were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Now, I know there's an activity mentioned here. The activity that's mentioned here is them studying the scriptures. But what was said to be more was a characteristic, was the trait of being noble. And so, if a particular trait is identified as more here, then we can conclude that more can refer to a characteristic as well, not just to an activity. More applies not just to what you do, but it applies to who you are. And so with this theme of more, we're not just saying, hey, we want you to do more. We're saying we want you to be more as well. We want you to develop the traits, the characteristics, the attributes of Christ, the fruits of the Spirit. Those sort of things need to be part of the more equation as well. I think it's important for us to acknowledge that more can be both quantitative and qualitative. Because some of us, for some of us, the more expectation needs to affect what we do. But for others of us, the more expectation needs to affect who we are. You see, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. There will always be room for more. And one final thought about more that I want you to understand is that more varies in application. It varies from person to person. What's more for you may not be more for me and vice versa. That's because more is linked to our commitments and to our involvement. One's level of commitment and one's level of involvement in the local church can dictate what he or she needs more of. There's one popular church growth book out there that identifies five different groups of people in the local congregation. For our purposes, whittle it down to four groups. And I want to share those with you today. Because these four groups can be visualized as a series of concentric circles, with the outermost circle being the least committed and the least involved, while the innermost circle is the most committed and the most involved. And as I review these groups with you today, I want you to soberly consider into which one you most likely fit. I'm not here to judge you or criticize you with these groups. I'm using it as a tool to help us consider where more might need to apply in our lives personally today. The first group I want you to notice is what we're going to call the community group, or what this particular book calls the community. 
This group is comprised of those within driving distance of your church building who would be identified as lost people according to biblical standards. These are the individuals that have made no commitment to either Jesus Christ or to his church. They are the unchurched that the church wants to reach. Some of you here today might be a part of the community. You may not know Christ yet. You may not have obeyed his plan for your life to receive salvation. You may still be searching for what you need to do to be right with him. That's one group. The second group is called the crowd. The crowd is the group that makes up most of your Sunday morning attenders. The crowd includes everyone who shows up on Sundays for services. They are your regular attendees, and they can be both members and non-members. Regardless of their membership status, those comprising this group have one thing in common, and that is that they are committed to attending a worship service every week. Some here in this auditorium today fit in this group called the crowd. You understand the responsibility to assemble and to worship and to, to praise your God in this fashion. That is your commitment. And you follow through with it every week. But there is a level above this. And the terminology used in the book is the committed. This group consists of members who have made a commitment to be a part of the church family and are therefore more than attenders. They are committed to the purpose of fellowship. The committed are members who are serious about their faith, but for one reason or another may not actively serve in a particular ministry. But even more than the committed, there is the final group, identified as the core. The core is the dedicated minority of workers and leaders, those who are committed to ministering to others. They are the people that lead and serve in various ministries of the church. And the author that came up with these groups, he contends that the goal of the church is to move people from the outer circle where there is lower commitment to the inner circle where there is higher commitment. Again, it's not my purpose to be judgy about which group you're in. I'm not standing up here looking at your face and saying, you're in that group. Or you're in that group. Oh, you're in that group. I'm not doing that. I don't know what group you fit in. My job is to analyze what group I fit in and my family fits in. And based on the expectation of Scripture, my objective is to move to the innermost group And while the desire of our congregation's shepherds and ministers is for everyone associated with this congregation to be numbered among the core, our ultimate goal in 2022 is to help everyone associated with this congregation move at least one circle closer 
to the center. And here's where, what I really want you to consider. Now, after you've analyzed which one of these rings you might be in, I want you to consider what more do you need to make the move to the next ring? So for those who might be in the community group, we want to help you move into the crowd group this next year with the ultimate goal of eventually becoming a part of the core group. But in order for the community to become the crowd, those in this group may need to know more. What I mean is that in order for you to take the next step, your faith needs to grow more and more, to use the language of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and verse 3. And we know that faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ, as Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says. So maybe what you need to make the move from being in the community group to being a part of the crowd group is to know more about Christ. And we want to help you with that. And for those of you who might be in the crowd group right now, we want to help you move into the committed group this next year with the ultimate goal of eventually becoming a part of the core group. But in order for the crowd to become the committed, you may need to engage more. What I mean is that in order for you to take the next step, you may need to engage in more fellowship and ministry, which will require you to meet together all the more for the purpose of stirring up one another and encouraging one another, as Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says. And we want to help you with that. And for those of you who might be in the committed group right now, we want to help you move into the core group this next year. But in order for the committed to become the core, you may need to invest more. What I mean is that in order for you to make the next step, you may need to discover your unique function and use your unique gifts as described in Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 6, so that you will be able to bear more fruit as Jesus declared in John chapter 15 and verse 2. And we want to help you with that. And even though some of you are in the core group, and that is the ultimate goal, that doesn't mean there's nothing more for you to do or to be. See, while the core group may not need to advance, they can always inspire more. In other words, you can take up the task of pulling others up and helping them move to the next level. This will be accomplished by encouraging one another and building one another up, as 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11 says. And you can do that through mentoring relationships, which will fulfill the call for us to love one another more and more, as 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 declares. Here's the point. We want to challenge each person to take one more step in 2022, to grow and contribute more in 2022, to become and to be more in 2022. And not only do we want to challenge you, but we want to help you because it is ultimately our goal, the, the goal of the elders, the shepherds, and even the ministers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, as Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12. Because the only way for the body to grow is for every joint to work properly. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. That's why our theme more. And as I draw this lesson to a close, and yes, I'm early. As we draw this lesson to a close, I want you to think about water for a moment. 
Just think about water, not because I want you to get thirsty, but I want you to think. At 211 degrees, water is hot. Water is very hot. Water will burn you. But at 212 degrees, water boils. And when water boils, it becomes steam. And you know what you can do with steam? You can power a locomotive. That one degree from 211 degrees to 212 degrees is the difference between a train standing still and a train moving on a track. That's more. One degree can make that much of a difference. So in 2022, the Buford Church of Christ is challenged to excel still more because that's our biblical expectation and that's going to be the way we demonstrate our love, our affection for the one who gave all. And so today we're inviting you to join us in this journey to do and to be more this next year. And it may be that there are some here today who aren't a part of Christ's family yet, who have not put him on in baptism. And we want to invite you to take up that opportunity this day. Maybe you are here and you've made that decision, and you're not who you need to be as a disciple of Christ. And we also want to invite you to come and write things and seek prayers Whatever your need is, we want to help with it today. While we all aim for more. Won't you come while together we stand?